The following audio is from Jacob's Well Church. For more information about Jacob's Well Church, please visit www.jacobswellgb.org. "'Twas the night before Christmas, when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hope that St. Nicholas soon would be there. Christmas Eve is a day that is absolutely wrapped in anticipation. It's a day when we are filled with hope with what is to come. We are filled with excitement and wonder about what is going to happen, a hopeful anticipation. And when we think about that, that hopeful anticipation, it's interesting because there are a lot of different things that we hope for, many different things. But there is a common denominator, something that is similar amongst all of them. You see, you may find yourself hoping for a day off, a time to get some rest from work. You may be hoping for that new toy that all your neighbors already have. You may be hoping for an opportunity to catch up with long-lost relatives that live far away. Or maybe... You are hoping for that opportunity to hit those ski slopes or go to that winter cabin or finally take that vacation that you have been so desperately waiting for. We look to many things with hope and with great anticipation. But there is a similarity. See, with all of these things, the reason that we hope for them, the reason that we wait for them, is because at some level, we believe, we believe that they are going to improve our situation. We believe that they are going to ease our frustrations. We believe that they are going to bring greater joy into our lives. You see, we hope that we will be saved from the brokenness or the incompleteness that we feel in our lives, that we all feel in our lives. And as you sit here today on this Christmas Eve, what is it that fills you with hopeful anticipation? You know, often it is true that a day of rest does help. It helps a great deal. But where we get into trouble is when we start believing that those minor things, those little things that we hope in, that they will save us in the long run. You see, many of these things are actually just a band-aid. They're a temporary solution that will not fix anything in the long term. And in Galatians 4, this passage that was just read, Paul is exhorting the Galatians to stop hoping in temporary band-aids. And he is calling them to trust in the long-term solution. In verse 3, Paul says that they were once enslaved, that's a strong word, enslaved to the elementary principles of this world. Now what he's referring to here is basically the thing in which they had placed their trust for their salvation. In this case, he was talking to Jewish and Gentile audiences. For the Jewish audience, he was talking about the Mosaic law. For the Gentiles, it would be their past pagan rituals. It really didn't matter, however. It didn't matter which poison you picked because it was all enslaving. It was all some form of legalism. This idea that if I only do X, Y, and Z, 
then everything is going to be better. And so if I look to X, Y, and Z for my hope with great anticipation, then what is it doing to me? It's actually binding me to it. Paul says that they are enslaved. And although a celebration or a day off or a new toy, these things all have a purpose and they can be a good thing, just like the law in this passage has a purpose and is a good thing. What the Galatians were doing was they were putting all of their hope and all of their trust in that law and they were missing what God was truly offering them. And in a similar way, it is easy for us to place our hope and our anticipation in the activity of Christmas instead of the message of Christmas, the message that is presented to us in this passage. In verses 4 and 5, it says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son. Born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. So that we might receive adoption as sons. These verses are the Christmas message. This is the message of Christmas. These verses are where we should place our hope. This is where our anticipation should lie. One commentator talking about these two verses said that within these verses, we see the most compressed and highly charged passage in the entire letter. See, these verses express God and his sovereignty. These verses express God and God's salvation. And they express God and his successful mission. One of the reasons that we get so wrapped up in a new outfit or a bigger TV or a successful gardening experience is because we like to feel like we have control. We like to be the ones that can dictate this is how it's going to go. This is what is going to take away my woes and my problems and the way I feel. I am responsible for taking care of myself. We like that. We like that control. But the message of Christmas is that it's not in our hands. It's out of our hands. See, God is sovereign. That means he is in control. It says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. God is the one who is sovereign. It tells us that from the very beginning, God had a date. God had a time that was set aside. And when that date came, when the fullness of time came, God acted. He sent his son. Now, if we think about that, that God is the one who is in control, for some of us, that make, make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. We don't like to lose control. We don't like feeling like it's not in our hands. We don't like being at the mercy of God's timing. A lot of the times, God's timing is uncomfortable. A lot of the time, God's timing is not what we want. But when we really think about it, there is something comforting about God's sovereignty. Because outfits go out of style, TVs break, If you're all about the garden, well, you're at the mercy of the weather anyways. 
If those are the things that we are looking to for our salvation, for our success, then success is going to be unsure at the very best. But if God is the one in control, then we have a salvation that is certain. We can rest in certainty that God has got it. So what is that salvation? What is the salvation that is promised? Well, it says in verse 5 that the Son of God was sent to redeem. To redeem those who are under the law. And the big word that we use for that, the big fancy word, is justification. All of us have sinned. All of us have broken the law of God. And all of us stand guilty before God for having broken his law. I have never met a single person that has ever said, I have never done anything wrong, I have never sinned. And so what did God do? He sent his son into the hole to redeem us. Jesus Christ became a man to live as a man under the law, but he did it without sin. And then he was punished. He was punished for every single sin. So he lived without sin, but he was punished for every sin. Jesus redeems us by taking the punishment that we deserve, that was due on us, and he took it and he put it upon himself. And in return, we receive the perfection that he lived. His perfection is given unto us. And so... We are justified. It's a legal declaration, a declaration that Jesus Christ's status is now ours. That's pretty good news, that we are no longer guilty under the law. The message of Christmas is that we are justified. We are saved from the penalty of sin. But the message doesn't end there. You see, justification, this marvelous Christian doctrine is only a means to an end. You see, for God's mission and purposes to be complete, for him to have success, for the Christmas message to be complete, it does not and it cannot end at justification. J.I. Packer says that adoption is the crowning blessing to which justification clears the way. We are redeemed So that. We are redeemed so that we might be adopted as sons and daughters of God. That we might be included in his family. Marissa Cope is a contributor to the Gospel Coalition website. And uh, she considers herself a pro at the game Two Truths and a Lie. And the way the game works is you share two truths and one lie, and then everybody else has to guess which one is the lie and which ones are true. And the reason that she considers herself a pro, the thing that she says you have to have in order to be really good at the game is you have to have a really outrageous truth that nobody will actually believe. Well, hers is that her parents were at the circus when she was born. And most people look at her and they think, okay, we don't think you're a carny, that you grew up in the circus, so how could this be possible? Well, the reason it's possible is because Marissa was adopted. 
And when her family, when her adoptive family came to get her at the hospital, she has an older brother, and her older brother got to hold her, and he picked her up, and in his little six-year-old arms, looking at her, he presented her to his parents, and he said, isn't she beautiful? She looks just like me. (laughs) You know, because... Jesus justified us upon the cross. Jesus is able to hold us up to the Father and say, isn't he beautiful? He looks just like me. When a child is adopted into a family, the judge will say, when I drop this gavel, it will be just as if They had been born to you. The Christmas message is that we are children of God. Not in a nice-sounding cliche, everyone is a child of God. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in a legally binding, unchangeable, permanent way, we are children of God. And verse 6 says that this is confirmed when God's Spirit within us causes us to cry out, Abba, Father. The message of Christmas is that God loves us so much that he was not satisfied to be separated from us, but he actually sent his Son to earth to redeem us so that we might inherit the status of child of God in the same way that Jesus Christ is a child of God. We are children of God. We are loved. We are accepted. We have a place to call home. Christmas Eve is a day that is filled with anticipation. But the anticipation is not in what might happen. The anticipation is for what has already happened. God sent his child to become a man so that man could become a child of God. And that is something to hope in. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for Christmas. I thank you that you loved us so much that you came as a child, as a baby, that you took on flesh for a reason, that it was your plan from the very beginning. It was a plan that would not be spoiled and that you came and you redeemed us so that we might become part of your family and have that privilege of being your children, your sons and daughters. And I ask this Christmas that we would identify with that, that we would own that, and that we would realize that there is power in who we are in you. We pray this in Jesus' name.